Just kind of sitting here recording this intro with my little kitty cat. Me and him are just having a grand old time, keeping busy during COVID, and I hope the rest of you guys are also attempting to at least keep busy during these shitty times of doing nothing. Um, anyways, though, today's podcast is with fellow friend. I don't know, I'm kind of speechless when I talk about this guy, honestly. He's a man with a lot of interests. Me and him have had some long, long, long podcasts before, up to three, four hours, just between the two of us. Um, You know, he's a man with a lot of knowledge and just loves to talk about anything and everything off the dome. So he is a perfect person to have on this podcast. Um, His name is Emmett Donnan. He's been on as a regular, and, you know, I look forward to having him on many few times many few times (laughs) i hope to have him on as much as possible in the future as well too uh you know he recently just came out with a book uh with regards to his photography career and he dives deep into that on today's episode as well too so i won't spoil that for you guys Um, but all in all love this guy to death you know amazing conversation me and him had so i hope you guys enjoy this conversation slash podcast as much as i did recording it so Without further ado, I will shut up, like always, so you guys can enjoy this magnificent podcast. Enjoy, you guys. abuse of power where they will just shut it off and they'll just do what they do and they'll say oops my camera shut off well no no it doesn't just shut off oh damn and i know i was actually i read a book about that um he was just analyzing the footage from these body cams and going in depth of why was why stuff was happening and like what was triggering it right a lot of it went into how um granted body cams were just a small part of it though but they did discuss though, but they discussed about the whole history of police and how um, taking a, a task force essentially and throwing them in an inner city and into an area where poverty and crime are very high and putting these police officers in these small, in these situations and with a lot of authority and a lot of like uh, ability just to pull anybody over for any reason. They did this in the sixties, I think mm-hmm. in Kansas city. And they found out it actually worked mm-hmm. and it de- decreased crime. But then what if they happened, keep a camera on them? No, this was in the 60s. This was just uh, just to go on. This is not so about body cams anymore. It's just about the type of police work they were doing. So they were doing. Oh, okay. Okay. But how were they? Work. Sorry, I missed the I missed the part where they were keeping. How were they keeping them accountable? Sorry, that's the one part I missed. Oh, uh, I think it was just a. I think I just mentioned that just body cams do keep them accountable though. Okay, but in the '60s, how were they keeping them accountable? Like, how were they oh, knowing they that they were? They doing... weren't. No. Oh, okay, but, okay. Okay. Yeah. So there what, we go. what 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 happened was that? Oh no, they weren't. But what happened though was it had worked in this small area, right? The crime went down, and it kind of did help this area. So what they did is they extrapolated across the whole 
USA. But what they forgot to mention though, that these individuals in the first um, situation were highly trained and highly skilled police officers. So they went through a lot of training processes. So they were very well educated about the whole situation. And then what happened apparently is okay, they extrapolated okay. across this whole area. They kept the intensity. They kept the ability just to pull anybody over for no reason, but they forgot to only get highly trained individuals for those situations. So then it became everyday cops. And then that's apparently what caused the abuse of power. So they're saying, pretty much saying that there's a correlation between lack of training and abuse of power. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, ex- essentially right? what, yeah, essentially. And I think that is true. Mm-hmm. So like what they're saying is, I think it definitely is true. When you put someone who's not familiar with a stressful situation in a stressful situation, and I do think that police work is, is an admirable, is an admirable job is, mm-hmm. it's a job that kind of commands a lot of respect. But on the other hand, I, I do think that it's, it's the word I'm looking for. It's its own, it kind of, it's its own worst nightmare sometimes mm-hmm. because, you know, especially in taking this, using the States as an, as an example, as there's stuff for a lot of good ones is, is, you know, there's bad ones too. And, and it looks like there's a lot more bad ones right now than there is good ones, but we can only hope that they're trying to fix that. Yeah. And I think that's just uh, um, one thing that I do think with police officers where, I do feel kind of bad for them because a lot of the times it isn't necessarily the high, the smartest individuals who do become cops, right? Because being a cop does attract, right? And that sucks. And it's great for you that Mm -hmm. you're going to school for this. Like that's, I believe that's the smart thing to do. And my buddy who's ex-military and he is going into the EPS, he was talking about how he thinks that there should be more training and that essentially you should almost be required to have, like very extensive training before you go into the EPS, like such as military service or uh, mm-hmm. schooling. I'm like, I think I agree with that, but. if you're, I think if you're going to become a police officer or like, uh, I think there has to be some, at least more training. Like let's say you didn't go to school for, or go to go into the military, didn't go into a specific program, like police studies or police and investigative studies or take some kind of a degree for it. Or like you say, go into the military where they kind of teach kind of the same core values and, give you the same kind of stressor scenarios and stuff. I think that in that case, for those people, they kind of have to single them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think they do have to have to pick up their training uh, uh, quite a lot. Yeah. Cause I think that's where they're missing is I think it's a lot of, it's not just um, right now. It's a, it's a weird scenario. At least the way I see it with some of these cops that have been shown abusing power in both the States and Canada is that, there's, there's there's a variety of older cops with kind of an old school mindset. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of new cops, guys who have been on the force for one or two years and, you know, don't have a partner, don't have someone watching over their backs or like I say old school cops with this kind of old school mentality of policing that in, in today's little society of ours just doesn't fly anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're struggling to adapt and, they get put in a situation and what they were taught back then and what they're, you know, when they get stressful, what they use now is that old school mentality. And like I say, right now, it just doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. Hey, are we rolling by the way? Yeah. I was going to say we're rolling, but then every time I started to talk, I just forgot to like mention it. Oh, <laughs> no yeah, worries. We are rolling. No, I was just like, Hey, we, we are rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea if you were rolling or not. 
I forgot. I, I hit it because we were like mid conversation. I was like, oh, I want to capture at least some of this before I like disturb the flow of it. Cause I was like, oh, this is actually a good conversation. No, it's great. That's why I was wondering. I'm like, hey, we having this really cool conversation. Yeah, I, and we're gonna I was like, oh, let me, let me hit <laughs> yeah. this record button here really quickly, though. Um, yeah, no, I, think, I think as well, too, it's like it's so misrepresented, though, because this whole policing situation um, and the it's whole stuff on the police movement. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, if you were to take 100 random people, you're bound to at least find at least one or two assholes out of those hundred people, correct? Oh, when more in some so, cases. Yeah, like when you have so many police officers out there, you're going to have your one and two bad cops mm-hmm. that are terrible at their job, right? And, and that like situation. Sorry, tier. go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Go continue. Yeah. On. And then, but the thing is, though, it's they extrapolate these like one or two individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that and situation really been misrepresentation. Anyways, go, go. <laughs> I was just saying, sorry. Um, I got a bad habit of that. Not knowing when to, when no, to it's, shut There's up. a slight delay. There's a slight delay. Oh, okay. So like, oh, let me get something in there really quickly. I don't think he's waiting for me. To and that whole, um, you know, a cab and that whole defund the police thing, I wouldn't necessarily say it was, it was kind of tough on a guy like me. Right. Cause I have family that is in the RCMP there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're a big part of the, the family that, you know, the immediate family that we see a lot. And, you know, I'm in, look what program I'm in. I'm in an investigative program. I get taught by police officers. I get taught by criminal investigators, crime scene photographers, you know, look at the program. I'm in. But, you know, it's, it's it is, in the whole, that whole situation was also something I, I cared very deeply about and I was very passionate about. And it, it puts people in a tough scenario. It kind of tests that moral compass a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Because, like, on one hand, you have, you know, a marginalized group of people who've been marginalized for thousands upon thousands of years, as far as I'm concerned, right? Mm-hmm. You have that group of people that have finally hit a complete breaking point. And you can't tell, like, especially from, you know, we're both white people. That's, there's no, you know, there's, no difference, nothing different you can say about that. We can't tell, at least in my opinion, we can't tell a group of people who have been marginalized and you know treated differently based on something they can't help. We can't tell them how to react. And I think, although there's other you know external forces coming in and stuff like that, I, I you know I'm not going to get into, but there's you know other parties to blame for some of it but i think a lot of that early early reaction especially in cities like minneapolis that's just visceral that's just what they felt they finally had enough they finally hit the breaking point they, they tried the the peaceful thing you know and they thought they made progress in the 60s and it didn't happen and now i think this was just the the final straw and i in a, in a way i think it's it's a it's a good thing personally oh no for sure and i think it's weird too because so like I had that one girl on the podcast, right? The the Trump supporter. And I still follow mm-hmm. her on Instagram for pure entertainment values because her <laughs> ideas are just so completely just like not necessarily fabricated though, but just there's no yeah, there's no real yeah, you so don't feel like, like there's a sense of truth behind it in in a way. Yeah. But and then so like she would post photos and it's like and justification, like um the Black Lives Matter protests, while I do believe mm-hmm. were justified, there was yeah, there was crime and violence that happened from them and arose from it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily deny that. There was violence no. that happened at Capitol Hill as well, too. But then she's talking about how it's like, oh, 
see this picture this was the people storming the capitol hill oh wait this was the black live Ma black lives matter protest and in my head i'm like fair point but you're missing one thing their protest is based off facts and something real yours is based yes. off some crazy rabbit hole theory that somehow granted usa corrupt as fuck but mm -hmm. the entire place of usa being as corrupt as say like this would be bigger corruption than that happens in russia right now and it's like everybody knows russia fucking is corrupted right but there's whatever putin can win yeah. another term right but like, if it, this doesn't happen in the usa like this is the one thing in mm. the usa that's actually not corrupt policies yeah, they are do. corrupt ideologies are corrupt but like the actual voting process is the whole corrupt. the whole democracy thing is something that both sides see as super important mm -hmm. the whole democratic process of voting is something they do take actually still rather seriously so well and even when you look back and say it's crazy how they blame so it's like usa this this lady who had on my podcast mm -hmm. she literally thinks joe biden is like full-out socialist like more left like a, more left than justin trudeau and I'm like, are you like fucking kidding me? It's like you're being so manipulated that you think this guy's so left wing that in reality he's still like, you know, he's middle of the pack. You know, he's right wing still. Like when you look at the big political spectrum, like the USA is still mm -hmm. on the right side of the wing. So it's like, I don't know, man. It's just like we were saying before, it's just so one sided and there's no in between. And that's what's wrong in the USA. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it, it's a big gray area. And I definitely find myself on one side of the gray area, which is definitely um, the left side of it, which is yeah. just for, you know, it's just, I think this is because I'm a young guy and I kind of think it's right. And I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. definitely on the, on the left side of the gray area, but I think there's, there's, you know, you can't be ignorant of, of, either, of whatever side you're, you're opposing still is as, mm -hmm. as dumb as uh, both sides can, I think can sometimes be. Yeah, it's like you very you do have to be open minded. You got to be able to sort out all the bullshit in between. Mm -hmm. That's and that's the hard part. I think that's the hardest part about. And that's and that's why a lot of this, why it's unfortunate is a lot of these like Trump supporters, a lot of them aren't educated necessarily. And no, like if you are like necessarily a smart individual, you're able to observe both sides of the spectrum, regardless of what you're talking about, and then form like a middle where it's like hey, yeah, inform your own right? opinion. Right, it's critical thinking, and it's like all these people mm -hmm. who vote for Trump just lack that whole critical thinking aspect. Yeah, and I, I don't know why that is. I, I don't know where this kind of came from because, you know, there's been obviously a, a host of Republican presidents before, and it doesn't seem like it was that bad. But then again, I didn't necessarily was around to see them or pay attention to them as, mm -hmm. as deeply as I do now. So it's an interesting. It's an, it's definitely the right thought, and I think you're 100 percent right. It, they lack a certain amount of critical thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's also because it's a bit of, you know, it's a social media age and information travels really quick over there, especially on the platforms that the, uh, that they use. So. Yeah. And that's all it is now. It's whoever can release the statement the quickest with the most mm -hmm. catchiest headline. Right. And that's the bullshit. Yeah. Part about it, right? Anyways, though, my man, you did this photo book. Yes. Tell me about yeah. this photo book. What is up with this? Okay, I'm to still mad. Address who has it? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that I'm still so mad at you for that because I was. Mad. No, I didn't do anything, man. Yeah, I forgot to you mention I moved across the city. 
yeah like here i was i i've i dropped some off in spruce grove i dropped some off downtown to people who bought them and um one of my final spots of the day was you that i needed to drop off at and i was like hey like i'm coming to drop off today like is that all good you and keep in mind that you've never told me that you moved you never told me you had a new address <laughs> you're like yeah yeah all good and i was like sweet go down to it i'm like hey like uh Photo books in the mail, like mag- I just call it a magazine for sake of simplicity. Uh, simplicity, yeah. um, like mag- magazines in the mailbox, man. He's like, oh shit, I forgot to say you got moved. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, man, I got some. Like, I have a forward in there. Like, it's like it's about a page long, and it's like it's it's got some names in there that are like fairly decently personal, like nothing too serious, but like, you know, it's thinking thinking my mom, my dad, like, it's got my brother's name in there. It's like. Got my friend's names, my girlfriend's name. It's like, what? So anyways, <laughs> uh, that was interesting. But shout, shout out whoever gets a, a free book yeah, um, from me. I'll buy that house. So hopefully they just have it stored somewhere in the house. But I'll send you extra yeah, money. But, okay, honest question as well, too. Because I forgot to mention mm-hmm. this. Did my money go through that I sent you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I accepted the e-transfer. Okay. Because I just had like an I'm email pretty sure came I, through. I don't know if it was your name or not. And it was like, it just said you're... Uh, funds had been returned and i was like okay i'm not it could have been me because i don't i didn't accept the e-trans i don't accept the transfer until i put it in your in your mailbox so i might have put it in and then forgot about it so it still could be me i'll definitely go check my email so you're not sending me 20 instead of 10 because i don't want to rob you so for sure keep that in mind though yeah about the book though um a hobby i do outside of you know sports and whatever else is uh photography um, I actually, I, I think we were, we were teammates when this happened. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned it cause I kind of kept it pretty private and I started it a little over a year ago. So I'll bring this one up just to really flex on everybody, but I'm a photographer. Um, yeah, I love that. I got my start. Way, <laughs> oh, thank you. I got my start in street photography and street photography is pretty much exactly what it sounds. You, um, roam around streets and alleyways and like, you're pretty much just like a, like a little rat like in an alleyway and you're trying to capture people and weird people and weird places and strange looking events. And you just, you know, sometimes it's not weird. Sometimes it's stuff that that's pleasing. It, it's, it's pretty limitless, which is why I like it. But I like to focus on, um, you know, not weird people. Cause that's not the greatest way to term it, but you know, <sighs> yeah, I do like them. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. They do make for good photos. What? Dude, um, I almost hit one the other day. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> you know, downtown, and this dude, you know, like, it was a turning left at advanced days. He started to cross the street, and then he kept on stopping at the cars to ask for money. So he's in the middle of the street talking to cars. I don't know if he's going to jump out and fucking get in my way as I drive by him or not. But, anyways, continue though. Okay. Yeah. And it's just like you say, like, it's, I like to find people kind of on the fringes of society a little bit. And I like to find graf- like strange graffiti and, pretty much anyone who's uh, comfortable with a camera being in their face because a lot of street photography gets criticized because a lot of the subjects um, in the photos don't, in some cases don't know they're being photographed. In some cases it's people who don't necessarily like 
understand that they're being photographed if you know what i mean like they're not in the headspace but like i say it's not yeah it's not always i make it sound so malicious but it's really it's not all that malicious it's just capturing just interesting little little things of society so Mm -hmm. that was my in street photography it was the first time i've ever been published and i got published in outer spaces magazine and it's run by a, a lady named Amanda Capasso, and she's had a couple successful magazines. Um, she she lives in Connecticut, but she publishes out of New York. So that's dope, man. I publish in there, and I'll, and I'll flip my camera here so you know I'm not lying. So this that uh, I got my last name in there. Oh, got uh, where it was taken. So I got published. This is my one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. It's this old lady giving me the finger on white ass. Oh, dude, that's right sick. by uh, Beercade. That's right outside of Showdown in Chinatown. That's Paul White Ave. That's downtown by Rogers. And I got uh, got three pages here. Dude, so that's sick, bro. That's sick. Yeah, I'll show you that. They also where am I here? They also got my name. I don't know if you can see that very well, but they also got my name yeah. there. So it was also what what I really liked about the magazine as well is it's it's like they got photographers from Chicago and from. Bangkok and like New York and Mexico. Some guy did some really cool photos, like one of the best photos, like Hong Kong. There was a photographer that was posted, just a cop on his phone. And like what I mean by like people who don't know they're being photographed as well. There's perfectly like this kind of stuff here. Yeah. Like it's just people who don't really know, like this guy with his two dogs. How, how often do you go and do this? Like, is this, do you do this a lot or do you just do this like once in a blue moon? Well, I love street photography. I love it to death. But right now, <laughs> I think it is the toughest um, type of photography to do because no one's on the street. See, but I think what would be cool though, because what I really like is when you drive downtown at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and yeah, there's nobody out there. Yeah, and like, I, like the, that. That's cool I still feeling. can do it. I still yeah. definitely can. There's do no it. motivation though to do it. No, because a lot of the subjects that I kind of I look for and I like, they're kind of been pushed inside, and some of them haven't. And a lot of events that I'd actually end up going to, like I really wanted to go to the tattoo expo. Mm-hmm. I think you can find some really cool cool people with a lot of cool stories yeah at tattoo expo yeah like they'd be really and also it's a a bunch of people that are willingly showing their stuff off anyways Mm -hmm. so it it doubles for me as you know it really doubles for me it's people willing to show it off that want to show it off are there at an expo to show it off so all i am is a guy with a camera i'm just a sponge right just just a win-win situation yeah i really wanted to go there um I really wanted to go to car rallies and try and get like these photos with the, like the smoke coming off the tires as close Uh, as I could get without being like hit by a car, obviously. Yeah. I wanted, and now it's like you go down downtown and like, even like the people, like the homeless people and the fringes of society people, they're just not around. Mm -hmm. And I did, but before the cases got super serious, it was around, let's see when it was, I think it was July-ish. So only a couple hundred cases at that point. I went to Calgary and Banff. Yeah. Yeah. July, August, somewhere around there. Um, 
I went around there and I took some photos. So I still try to get it in, but until this whole thing really, really curbs like coronavirus until it really, excuse me, uh, curbs down. I, I just kind of got to do what I was doing. And that leads me into my next uh, segue of what I was doing. Um, the one thing that luckily didn't die with the pandemic is live sporting events. And we've had conversations here. Yeah, at least recently. Right, because I'm assuming assuming it was off, what, for three or four months probably there? Yeah, for a little bit. At least least maybe they didn't die, but they, uh, yeah, they kind of went into a coma, I guess you Mm -hmm. could say. Yeah. It kind of ceased for a little bit, except, you know, your major sporting organizations. But, you know, local stuff definitely died for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But something that didn't um, die is uh, pro wrestling. And we've had talks about pro wrestling on this podcast before where I've bored every single person to tears and um, pretty much made myself like the ugliest sounding geek of all time. But you're the cutest. You can't, uh, you can't, you can't hold me back. That's the only thing is that I'm stupid, stubborn, and I'm persistent. You're and I actually, yeah, I'm really not going to stop geeking out about it. Um, Dude, no matter what you call me, have you on the podcast, man? Yeah, I geek out about things. I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you think of me. It's what I like. Dude, man, so you're who you are. Mm-hmm, and I'm not. I'm not changing for nobody, man. I'm gonna be Attaboy. a pro Attaboy. wrestling geek, photographer, football fan. I can talk Attaboy. anything, you know. But what I did was, um, I basically shot my shot with uh, a pro wrestling uh, company out of Edmonton. I kind of lied about who I was and my, well, not who I was, but my photo experience. Yeah. I hope none of these guys hear this or they're going to kill me, but hey, to so the that, founder, so white lies. Yeah. And that's all it was. I didn't say anything that was like, that made me sound like I was some WWE photographer or nothing. I was just like, Hey, mm-hmm. I think I said I was a photography student at McEwen, but Dude, didn't change anything way, else. Best way to I get interviews on stuff. Student, student. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. And I've told people on the street, I'm a photography student. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm a photography student. I need people for this project or whatever. And now people are probably years here. later. Yeah, still a student. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like I'll be like 40. I'm a photography student. So I gotta keep myself looking young. But that's the only lie I told because I thought like they're not gonna have some random Joe off the street come in and be like, oh, go ahead. So I was saying photography student, I need and I have like a passion for pro wrestling. Will you let me in and they did and i hope nobody hears this but (laughs) i don't know these guys watch this i might never be invited back but so i went there i went to their one of their events i hope so because they they all said they really like my photos whether they're all the time though where it's just like somebody just kind of lies gets in there and they're just like oh okay well whatever works a lot for rappers you know it works a lot for rappers they say they got uh, more albums out than they do and more hits than they do or yeah. produce songs they didn't when they were younger and they they got in and they never looked back yeah more zeros so, than it's in their bank account yeah exactly so i feel like it's in a sense just fine. they all seem to like what i was doing they don't seem to bother me uh-huh. no, they don't seem bothered by me there so mm-hmm. but yeah so anyways i shot my shot there um they let me in took some photos for them all the guys said they really loved them they thanked me a ton and then i got another message it was another company that works out of BC, Calgary, and Edmonton. Yeah. Or at least um, that's kind of like their target area 
I don't know how much wrestling they actually do in BC, but they do do it in Calgary and Edmonton primarily. And one of their talent, one of their wrestlers, um, I'm going to shout him out because he's a really good, uh, good guy. He works. He's a manager at a Popeyes Supplements. Uh, but I thought yeah, we should Popeyes that. Supplements. I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's about supplements, King Boy. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But he's a sweetheart. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna just say his uh, his wrestling name, Nasty Nate Nixon. Okay. One of the sweetest guys, you know, wrestlers I've ever talked to. Um, he said, "Hey, I saw your stuff that you did with my old company, um, which is Monster Pro Wrestling, which is the first one I visited. How would you like to come take photos with RCW, which is Real Canadian?" Mm-hmm. And I. <laughs> yeah are you kidding me yeah like, you know what i mean like are you kidding me like of, of course i'll come out and take photos for you guys like no questions asked Dude, that is sick and so i did and i spent some i spent some months with uh out at their shows and stuff and i compiled this which is my self-published um i'll flip the camera so you get a better look but as my self-published book about my time spent um with canadian indie wrestling so it's totally done by me. All the photos are me. Oh my god! All the editing on the photos is me, and it, all it is is a forward. And out of close to four thousand photos, I think wow. I have a hundred and sixty in here. So I compiled the definitely the best of the best. Really, dude, that is yeah. sick, bro. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and I, you know what? I along the way I got to meet a ton of these guys. Not all of them, but I got to meet and talk to a ton of these guys. You know, face to face, social media, and I kind of set the book up like a match would be set up, in a yeah. sense. So the first half or quarter of the book is entrances, then the middle is the wrestling moves, and then the end is the winners and losers. Okay. So I set it up kind of like that. So I set yeah. it up how a real wrestling match would be in a sense set up and there's some really cool guys in here there's uh one of the wrestlers from monster pro is a former ufc fighter out of st albert he has a record of i think 11 and 2 i think i don't think he ever saw championship i can't really speak but he was a long tenured guy in ufc his name is mitch clark that's Mm. his real name and his wrestling name yeah um let's see i'm just looking up his record here he had 16 fights with 11 wins um, and five losses. So a very, very, very good record. I mean, when you're considering that he's a, you know, it's black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu too. Yeah. So he's a submission guy. Uh, hey, you're in the UFC. You'll take 16 fights in, the, in a, a very positive record. Mm-hmm. He's a very sure. sweet, sweet guy. He's really cool. And then I got to meet a guy from uh, New Japan who's from BC. I never actually got to meet him, but I got photos of him. And he was the first match on Japan's biggest wrestling show about two months later. Wow. Because he actually works in Japan. He works in Japan's biggest company, but he was sent home from, you know, because of the virus. And he needed to obviously get back into wrestling mode for New Japan. And he came here. He came to Calgary and Edmonton for one night and... I saw that post and I almost did a backflip. I got, you know, I was just so out of my brain excited that I was seeing one of my, you know, a guy watch, you know, on, on TV that wrestles in Japan, part of the biggest um, group of, you know, cause within wrestling, there's like little groups of guys who, you know, factions is what they're mm-hmm. called. You know, he's in the biggest faction in Japan. He's, he's, you know, beaten very notable guys and he just headlined 
their biggest show of the year. Well, not headline, but it was the opening match on the biggest show of the year for a title. So his name is El Fantasmo. He's in here. Are you aware of the Da Vinci twins? Yo, yes, I am actually. I was going to ask you about that. I heard you had some, you were taking photos of them as well too, or? Yep. Yeah, they work in, uh, for the meantime, because they actually had a WWE tryout. Okay. Yeah, um, that's what I saw. I saw something. They were actually like getting pretty popular. Yeah. So they actually um, were wrestling long before um, they became TikTok guys. They were, they're pro wrestlers at heart. Like the fact they blew up on TikTok is such a coincidence. And obviously for their sake, I'm not going to blow the whole with kayfabe thing with that TikTok stuff. Cause you know, the unknowing person doesn't really know, you know, I've met these guys when they're not in wrestling mode, which is Davinci mode. And I'm not going to, you know, blow, blow their characters for them. That's not why I'm, you know, cause that's, that's a kind of a bit of a sacred thing. And I don't want somebody's, uh, some of these guys coming at me like, Hey, why did you blow our kayfabe? So just not going to do it, but you know, they're, they're, they're pro wrestlers. They're pro wrestling twins. They, uh, you know, for the sake of this conversation, if you want to talk about them, maybe after something, we can do that. Yeah. But uh, for their sake, they're, they're twins. They're twins. They're, um, they got big hearts and uh, kind of small brains as we can kind of see from their TikTok. but they're very sweet guys. They're very good wrestlers. Um, they're actually, I believe, I think they're still RCW tag team champions. They had a WWE tryout. They wrestled in beyond wrestling. And I think they, I think beyond wrestling is a pretty big company. So, but just um, there they are. That's not the only photo, but that's just the first one I could find flipping through. Okay. For yeah. example. That's them there. Yeah. Um, that is also the guy who wrestled in new Japan. Okay. That's, that's Phantasmo. Um, that's I'll find a photo of him, but that's the guy who invited me out to RCW. So okay. kind of worked there, but let's see if I can have a good photo of where did uh, Chris you, and Patrick. So where, where were these events held? Which, was this just in Edmonton or was it in BC as well too? In Alberta? It was in Edmonton. So it, I'd always go to the uh, Edmonton shows um, for obvious reasons. Um, um, Cause you know, uh, I'm not going to go down to Calgary. I probably could, should have, could have. But yeah. uh, if you had you enough know, events, just, though, there's no need to. Yeah, they every week they have one show in Calgary and one show in Edmonton. And Edmonton is Fridays, I believe. I do um, have it listed in here, and I will at the end um, tell you where the hell you can find these guys because obviously that's part of why I'm here. So I, I got a good photo of it. So this is the guy who invited me out. Okay, that's uh, that's nasty Nate. He's uh, he's damn good. He is damn good. Where do they have these events in Edmonton? Okay, so in Edmonton, you know the um, sorry, my bad. You know the Royal Canadian Legion. Oh, up by Commonwealth there. There's oh, I guess that doesn't that doesn't narrow it down, but yes, um, it is the one actually by Commonwealth. Okay, we're lucky. So yes. they have it in there. They have, yeah, no, I guess saying the Legion in Edmonton doesn't narrow anything down, but um, uh, that's the only one I know of. So. <laughs> No, that's fine. So yeah, they have one show. RCWs always run out of the Legion by Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Monster Pro Wrestling one, they don't do it weekly. Um, they do it, I think, monthly 
or maybe they'll have two shows in one month and then one in the other. The schedule is a little bit different because, you know, different companies run things very differently. Um, right now they're doing it in their training building. They have a building set for their wrestlers to train. And so right now they're running a um, couple matches or I think at least one match a week on their YouTube channel, which is just monster pro wrestling. Okay. RCW is actually shut down right now because cases spiked up. So there's no live event. So they're actually shut down for a bit. I think it's been almost 182 days, I think, since they ran their last show. 182 or just 82? Just 82. Just 82. Okay. Um, since they ran their last show. Um, but they seem to be all good. Guys seem to be all good. They're, I think they're just kind of anxiously waiting for them, to, you know, so they can return to the ring and get back to wrestling. But Monster Pro's doing a really good job. They just have a very small set of people there. They let two guys go maybe three or four, you know, depending on who they have wrestling tag team mm-hmm. or whatever, but they do it on their YouTube channel. RCW shut down right now. Monster pro runs out of the training center or they run it out of the Alberta Avenue community center. Where's the, tra- well. where's their training center? I don't know. I've actually never been there. I've okay. been meaning to reach out to at least one of the boys or I have the, uh, the actual number of the guy who runs, Monster Pro, I've been meaning to text him and say, hey, if you need a photographer for these shows at the running, you know, at their training center, whatever, just let me know and let me know when it is when you're filming and I'll take photos for some of the guys there. Oh, so I'm sure they'd like photos right now. I, a lot of these small time guys um, kind of rely on photos and rely on uh, videos and, you know, YouTube and especially like we want to talk about two guys who, you know, yeah, social media as a way to reach out to, to have other companies find them. So they love, they love getting, I mean, I'll get the ones that they love. They always know where the camera is. They always, you know, had like when they have photographers around, I'm not the only guy at Edmonton who does wrestling photos, but um, I, I just so happened to kind of, kind of combine two passions and jump into a totally different world. Cause before I did wrestling photography, I'd never done sports photography before. Yeah. As much as I love sports, I, you know, me, uh, you know, basketball, football, anything. Um, except I feel hockey. like it's the hardest type of photography sports. Yeah, it is. If like, let's just say you work for the Edmonton journal, right. And they say, Hey, wrestling, indie wrestling in Edmonton's getting really big. We want to send you down there and, you know, take a couple photos. And you were just completely thrown into that world. I think that would be stupid hard. Yeah. But I kind of have a bit of an edge and not over other photographers. Cause there's two other guys that do uh, photos and I'll shout them out. Cause they're really good guys. A smiling moose media on Instagram. He does a lot of portraits, but he also does events. That's his Instagram. It's smiling underscore moose underscore media. He does really, really good portraits and he takes some really, really good photos uh, at the events. But, and then there's, Oh my God. What's his name? You have to excuse me for a minute. What? Um, I forget his name now. I know. I'll, you know, let me just go RCW and I will find it in like two seconds. Cause he takes really, really good photos too. He's got some, I don't know a ton about uh, cameras or whatever, but he takes some really, really good photos. He's got some really, really nice equipment. 
And that's part of the other thing I like about my photography too, is I don't have um, health. Yeah. Helfrick sports photography. So he is uh, Helfrick, which is H E L F R I C H underscore sports underscore photography. He does some stuff with U of a hockey, but he also does a ton of wrestling photos. He's a really good guy. He actually was at the, my first show with me and he actually gave me a ton of like just not advice on what to shoot but where to shoot to get good like photos and whatnot yeah like just not he didn't want to obviously give you know a lot of his secrets away which is totally understandable because he's been the guy like the wrestling guy him and smiling moose um yeah. have been like the dudes taking photos of wrestling at edmonton and you know they're both older dudes like I think one's like mid thirties and then I don't know how old Smiling Moose is. I'm probably going to bill him in like the same area, but you know, they, they've been, they're like kind of the OGs of that. And all of a sudden there's some, you know, young buck running around with a, you know, a camera taking photos. And I, they both could have been really non-receptive yeah. towards me. And I wouldn't have necessarily blamed them at all. Like they could have been real jerks. But, you know, especially Helfrick, because I, I see him more often because, like I say, Smiling Moose isn't just wrestling photography. He does portraits of wrestlers, yeah. of regular people. I'm pretty sure there's, like, wedding photos and nature photos. Like, he does it all. So they um, could have been really big jerks, and they weren't. And, you know, Helfrick gave me a ton of tips. His name is Matthew. So Matthew actually gave me a, a ton, of, ton of tips on where to shoot and where to stand and you know, if, if the guys leave the ring, they're going to tell, like, someone's going to tell us beforehand. So we're not in their way. So he's just really good. Like, I'm just been really happy with the reception from the boys and the fellow photographers and, you know, the guys who host the events. And I try to be, you know, out of the way as much as possible, but I do have a funny story later. So I don't uh, ramble on for too long about, um, (laughs) about actually me not getting out of the way when I didn't know it was going to happen. No hold me. I didn't get out of the way and I was actually part of something, but we'll come back to that. Cause I know you have a question. Um, I'll, <laughs> if I remember, I have a few, but anyways, first one though, how, what's like your networking approach when it comes to like photography, obviously you met these two individuals at the ring. Um, but how did you like get your connections like that one magazine? And then how did you eventually make that lead into your way into a, uh, the, the wrestling gigs um, just through Instagram or. Yeah. Um, the lady I met who does the, who did the street photography magazine. I actually, and here's where I'm going to embarrass myself now. I actually uh, found out who she was on Reddit. Okay. Um, she was kind of having auditions in a sense she wanted to start another like start another magazine that was different from the one she did before because she wanted people that were not just from america but from across the world so i you know joined some uh because i do pretty much outside of the digital that i actually got for wrestling because it's it's super hard to get wrestling done on film yeah it's not impossible but you need um some heavy duty equipment that i as a student and a guy who works part-time uh, cannot afford. Yeah. <laughs> and what that's, you have you know, right now? I have four cameras right now, which sounds like a lot, but there's a story behind each. The actual, the first camera I ever paid for was, it was about, f- actually, no, I haven't paid for a single camera yet. Damn, lucky you boy. 
I know. And you know what? It's, I'm just going to like, just kind of, it's going to make sense as I go through the natural progression of things. I started off on disposables. Okay. Cause I love the look of film. I shoot all my street stuff on film. I like the way it looks. I, I can deal with the BS that comes with loading and unloading. I just, like an I just enjoy part it. Of it. Mm-hmm. it. It's it, part of it's like the hipster me where it's like, you know, yeah. old school is best or whatever. Yeah, I know but I mean. just kind of, I like, I always like the look. It's a different I, vibe, I especially when it comes to street art, where it's like the authenticity in the picture itself is what makes the picture. I feel like. Yeah, and I don't, I don't edit my photos a ton. Okay. I don't go on Photoshop to edit my photos. I kind of like it, um, kind of raw in how it is, and that might sound lazier. It might sound like I don't know what I'm doing, but I just don't like. I sometimes find editing can kind of take away from the photo. Mm. Where you know, you if you have a good photo on your hands, you don't need to edit it a ton you maybe need to like for me on wrestling stuff not every photo is perfect because especially with uh, rcw in that legion depending on where they are the light changes a ton it's it's very dimly lit in there so i have to run a really high uh, high shutter speed a high iso speed yeah so i don't get a bunch of motion blur and depending on where they are the iso changes literally by the second and my camera, although really, really good, sometimes struggles with ISO speed. So when I get a good photo, I will just kind of change the lighting. I'll darken a few things. I'll take some shadows out, but I really won't change it because I think if you have a really, really good photo on your hands, you don't need to edit it a ton. You might have to, like I say, change lighting, but it, how good is your photo if you have to change like 90% of it through editing? Well, I think a lot of that just I don't goes think through, you... like, just having an authentic photo, right? And that's one, like, reason social media sucks. Because it's always the mm-hmm. best picture at the best angle, with the best lighting, with the best filter. It's always the best that ends mm-hmm. up on Instagram. Yeah. And myself, super guilty of it. But, like, at the end of the yeah. day, like, it's, it's not authentic, you know? Yeah. And that's my thing is I'm not knocking anyone who takes photos and, you know, edits them because there's, you know, a lot of these guys that do get published or get famous in whatever respect they do edit their photos there's a lot of photos that have been made better by editing and they have a good photo and editing takes it to a new level but Mm -hmm. my street photography stuff is not edited at all i don't edit my street photography stuff because i don't want to take away from what you're seeing i feel like if i edited stuff or tried to hide stuff or made stuff look better it's kind of taking away from what i actually saw and i get that sounds like really artsy and pretentious but I just don't like to take away from stuff that I see. No, if that I, makes I, any sense. I totally agree with you on that. Like, yeah, it's just like, and that's one thing I have started to do as well too. Cause I have, I have my S 10 and the S 10 is really good at actually like um, mm-hmm. capturing nature and like landscape photos. Yeah. So I've really started to enjoy taking photos on my S 10 because of that. Yeah. And say I'll take 20 photos or so out of those 20 photos, I'll get like one or two good ones where I'll look at them and be like, okay, Damn. that wasn't even edited. <laughs> right. Like that, mm-hmm. like that recent one I posted on my Instagram, it was of uh, right. Sedona when we were going on a hike, that one was not edited. Like just right. from and the like, natural light that came in there. If I... you edit that. Sorry. I was just like saying, oh. and if you edit a yeah, photo like ahead. that one you had in Sedona, I feel like if you edit that and you, you change something like shadowing or lighting to make it look like prettier or whatever, like kind of a word I'm looking Mm -hmm. for. It's like it, you, people can tell, people can tell they're not dumb. People can tell when you've, when you've added more light or you've taken stuff away. 
and like I only edit my wrestling photos lighting, like I say, because sometimes like there's a lot of shadow and a lot of like dark spots that need to be a little bit lighter. But I, mm. I'm not changing a ton of stuff. It's really minor changes that I do, either from literally from the photos app on Apple, or if yeah. it's like one that need one that I know once I edit it will like really tell a cool story or, or I know will be really good. I'll look at it and go okay. Then I'll go take it to like the Lightroom app on my phone, which does basically the same thing. It's just got a little more options. Yeah. But most of my editing for my wrestling stuff is done from the edit button in photos. Like that's how light the changes oh, wow. are. I'm really not going to Adobe and changing too much unless I know it's a really good photo. Yeah. See, and I was about to ask you about that. Like, do you use Adobe? Cause I know I signed up for Adobe cause I was planning on doing, I was going to do some, like uh, when I was coming up with like, uh, I was thinking about coming up with clothing which I will eventually at some point mm-hmm. with my podcast, but I was thinking yeah. about doing it during the lockdown and I was getting the Adobe um, like Photoshop and like all the, that whole package that you get with Adobe. And I was going to do that. So I had a chance to kind of make these t-shirts and whatnot, but then it was like a $25 a month subscription. And then I was like $12 for students. And I was like, okay, hey, I'm not taking this seriously right now enough to like pay for it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, down the road, I know it's there. And when I want to jump into this, I will. But, like, I'm not willing to pay for it, though. And that's why I hate about Adobe. Was they have a subscription base. Yeah. Yeah. And be careful with Adobe. Because as I learned, um, my laptop, like, I thought I'd get it, too. Because I thought, oh, like, early on, it's like, well, because I didn't really know what I was doing with sports photography and wrestling. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get Adobe. Like, sure. It, yeah. it might just be good just to have. You never know. Um, turns out my computer actually didn't run it. I have a, an old Chromebook, which does the a good, like a really good job with schoolwork and not much else. Yeah. Does a great job with Word and PowerPoint and Excel and whatever else I need it for. But beyond that, it doesn't really run Discord. It doesn't oh. run like um, oh, Adobe. Shit. So it was a real hassle getting my money back. Oh, okay. I actually had to call them. Outside of emails I sent and stuff, I actually had to call them three times to actually end up getting my money back. So See, be careful the with Adobe. These, like, I'm not big, gonna like. Yeah, and like, I got fucked over too there for a bit because I just, I remember it took me like an hour to figure out online how to cancel my subscription, right? and that's what I hate about all these companies. Mm-hmm. They make it so hard for you to cancel your subscription. Where you and I've done it myself. I do it a lot. Where I'm just like fuck it you know like this is future matt's problem i'll pay the extra five dollars and i'll do this next <laughs> month you know what i mean and that's why they do it so you get sucked in you just say fuck it whatever i'll do it next month it. Mm-hmm. it's only five dollars so right i made uh i made a lot of adobe payments that uh i definitely paid someone's salary for the year trying to figure it out and actually <laughs> yeah. like, i canceled it online because I, I canceled my free trial or whatever online and then uh i kept on having payments taken out from my card yeah so I, I actually, like I say, I ended up calling them three times and then on the third call, third time's charm. They finally canceled it. Sounds good. But be, just be careful with Adobe a little yeah. bit because if you really don't know what you're doing on Adobe and you really don't do your research before, you're going to end up paying a lot for something um, that's pretty pretty expensive, but a pretty useful tool. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's why I, that's why I was like, nah, not. I don't make enough money from this podcast to be investigating some experiments. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> like, yeah. Kind of and focus on the sound first, but like whatever. Yeah. And that's fine. Like it's, it's bit by bit. And that's kind of where I'm at with my cameras where it's, it's bit by bit. I'm not, if I ever get a call to 
the big leagues, like let's say someone somehow stumbles across my photos and next thing you know, I'm going to Japan or I'm going to the performance center for AEW or WWE. That's when I'll put my cash in and get something really, really good. Right. Yeah. Splurge. Yeah. That's when I'll really splurge. But until then I'm very happy with what I'm running, but back to your question about cameras, I guess. Oh yeah. Weird. Well, actually one more question. What's like, yeah, go crazy. Um, like, where do you want this to lead to? Like, obviously, you're just going to kind of do it for, like, a passion project. It's something you love, though. But, like, mm-hmm. is this something where you're just, like, you have in your mind where it's, like, this? there's an opportunity here where this could be my living? Yeah. Um, that's crossed my mind. Like, you know, at some points when I was really before the, you know, the pandemic and stuff, where it's when I got published in street photography and I was looking like I was going to get published again you know before the this is all before the virus started and everything yeah. totally turned upside down it looked like i was gonna get published again but that kind of fell through because the pandemic really canceled everything and people everything. had to focus on other things which is fine i'm not i'm not salty about it it's just like people it had happens. to focus, focus on themselves and yeah. they did that so and it's not like nothing can happen after but it's definitely something i i've thought of where it's like eh, you never know and that's kind of comes into your question about like um, how do I reach out? I just use Instagram right now. Okay. Until I'm done school, like I'm really not gonna, I'm kind of just, everything I've done is through myself and kind of put myself out there, which is kind of a, kind of something that people I notice lack a little bit. Where it's like every project I've done or I've been part of or been published in, I've reached out first and I mm-hmm. prayed for a reply. And like, let's say I didn't get that reply. I'm not going to stop. Yeah. I, I take that kind of like rejection as, um, as fuel. And um, like just recently, like just a couple of days ago, I, there's this new wrestling magazine that's coming out and it's all about, it's got art pieces. It's got uh, journalism pieces. It's got really good photos. And I reached out to them. I said, Hey, I'm a, you know, young wrestling photographer and street photographer out of Canada. How do I get involved? Mm-hmm. Check back in an hour. They saw it, never replied. So then I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe they're busy or whatever. So I, I messaged them again. I said, um, or do you accept submissions? Yeah. Nothing. I'm still on red and it's fine. It's totally fine. Cause all I do is see that and go, okay. So maybe one, they just don't do anything I ask for. They just don't care. Cause they got a set group of people, but yeah. I'm going to take that, you know, as a rejection is just like, okay, let's just work harder. And like the next time I reach out to them, they'll have to say yes. Yeah, make them make them come to you essentially, and that's just how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, if man, they're, if they're not going to let me come to them, I'm going to make them come to me. It's yeah. the same way with street photography. Like, if you get, if you're a street photographer, and a lot of street photography magazines do stuff by submission, and they have hundreds of people just like me that have been published in in works before, and reach out and they get a no or you know thanks for thanks for coming, but we got other people. It's just, just take that and just honestly, like, just put, just use that as fuel. Just throw it under yeah. your fire and don't let that kind of stuff drag you down. Because once you think that you're not good enough, you're just gonna, it's that fire's gonna die out, and there's just no point because you can have all the talent in the world, and with especially with photography, one person will see your photos and think that's really cool, and another eye will see and go, oh, it's kind of boring. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's photography is art, and art is subjective. Yeah, right. Art, so, art's in the uh, the beauty's in the beholder of the eyes, or something like that. Exactly. The eyes, the beholder. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, don't 
you know what? I, I, I'm going to self-publish myself. My book, you know, I'm going to brag for a second. My book sold out. The only copy that's left goes to you. That's the because most valuable the only copy. Person, it is because yours is the only yours is the only one. A, I messed up. I got another copy for you, um, and now it's actually just got to go to you. And that's the last copy of my book. So I did a limited run of thirty. I didn't realize um, that thirty is actually a lot of people for a guy with four hundred followers on Instagram. Like yeah, yeah. when you think about yeah. it, like thirty people that some I know, some I don't know. Like I did some deliveries to people I, I'd never heard of before. Yeah just through word of mouth. So it was like really cool. Oh, hi, Tuco. Hold oh, on. This is your dog. Whoa. Let me see your dog. Yeah. Come here, Tuco. Yo. Hold on. <gasps> we'll pause for the cuts. Come here. Hello. Oh my hi, God. Bud. It is so cute. Hi. Boy. Hi. Oh my gosh. How small is he? He's tiny. Oh He's my a little gosh. guy. <gasps> Tuco, get out of here, man. We're oh in the middle my. of <laughs> It is so cute. <laughs> Come here, buddy. Oh. Let go of my stock, man. You're killing me. Oh my gosh, where'd you get him? <laughs> yes, I did. Bro, we got him from a breeder. No, it's stop, fine, stop, mama. Stop, 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 stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so adorable. Oh. Thanks for coming to say hi, buddy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, I just that is my so dog. cute. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Actually, I actually like that because like um I'm gonna point out with my podcast where it's like I love talking to the homies. Like, I love talking to you. Like I just had Kutzy on last night. That pot's podcast mm-hmm. going up. Kutzy's brand. You know what? I'm mad at Kutzy. Why? <laughs> like, you know, not mad, man, but you know what I mean? Like, because nah, I, <laughs> early on, early on in photography, before I've been published or whatever, you know, yeah. as I was a young man, just looking for uh, someone who would just pay any sort of attention to me. Hi, Tuco. We're back. We're back with him in here. Doggo. Oh, you smell the textbooks. Get out of here. Come on, man. We're crashing my interview again. Get out of here. Come on, buddy. Come on. Oh, no. Come on. Let's go. Tuco. Come on. Is his name Tuco? Hugo or Tuco? With a T. T U C O. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. Come on. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Come on. Get out of here, buddy. Sorry. That's so cute. That's the cutest interruption ever. Oh, dude, it's all good. Anything not even mad. <laughs> so, yeah, but I was like kind of scraping for a job just so I could put on my Instagram. So it looked like I was like, he semi noticed. Reached out to Kudzu. I'm like, hey, let me do some brand photos for you. Let's get some people in some t shirts. Let me take some photos for you. He's like, yeah, bro, I got you. I got you. Of course, of course. Nope. <laughs> Never heard of anything. Okay, well, give me the cold shoulder, man. I'll, I'll, I'll do this with you, though. Whenever I need the photo shoot done, I'm coming to you, man. Yeah. Do it. Koozie won't. Yeah. Fuck Koozie, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, though, it's like, I love having, like, the boys on and whatnot. I love dicking around and shit. But, like, I'm mm-hmm. at a point out, too, where it's like, okay, I need to start expanding. Right? So this last week, actually, I've started to, like, send out the DMs. And I've had one yeah. response from who, or can we, can we not say uh-huh. undiscussed? I don't want to, okay, jinx okay, it, okay. Honestly. I don't want to jinx. No, it, that's but... fair. I won't jinx it either. For yeah. me, <laughs> um, so it's like, and now like, I'm like Grant, I probably sent out like six, I think a um, few of them Bro, read it. If you Other ever want to read them, but what up? 
if you ever want some people, I guarantee there's some wrestlers that would love to be on a podcast with some follow. Dude, I have um, I have some notes. I can throw you like, some. You're talking about people. I was just like, oh, you can probably sure you go back to these. So I'm gonna hit you up afterwards, and I'll uh, uh, send me some like Instagrams and stuff. Yeah, we'll like, talk after me... when the recording stops, and I will. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk send, when the like, recording stops. Send... Or something like that. You know what I mean? I'll just... give you the ask because I guarantee some of yeah. these boys, especially some guys that are off the top of my head, like would love to be on a podcast and just talk shop. But it would be really cool if you could what? get them in to do their character. Ooh, so they don't talk cool as like. You know what I mean? So they don't talk as like, whatever, Joe. Like, yeah, whatever, whatever, like who they whatever, really are. You know, they, they they come in as the wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sick. And that'd be cool. Dude, that'd have be a sick. have a full talk in kayfabe. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be cool. I listen to that, but that's just me. Yeah, you're a nerd. <laughs> yeah. um, did, so you sent out DMs. Yeah, I sent out some DMs though. But I was gonna ask that. Um, the Undertaker podcast. I'm about halfway through it on the Joe Rogan one. They're just getting into some good stories though. But what was that other podcast you were talking about? Okay. I was talking about Jake the Snake and okay. little thing about Jake the Snake, which I was gonna tell you, but yeah. I didn't want to come off super nerdy. Was he was a wrestler in the 80s and he was one of the top bad guys in WWE for a very, very long time. Yeah. His gimmick was he wasn't this like a wild man, but he had a big thing where he'd carry a 18 foot Python or a Cobra in a bag. Mm-hmm. And he'd put that bag down by the ring and he'd wrestle. And when he'd win, he'd put the snake on, on people Ooh, and let yeah. the snake crawl all over them. Yeah. And his most famous moment as that character was he tied macho man in the ropes, like macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah. And he let a devenomized Cobra bite him on the bicep. For real. Damn. And keep in mind, WWE was airing on like Saturday mornings, like cartoons. So there's like eight and 12 year olds watching Macho Man Randy Savage, like the kid's favorite wrestler, maybe outside of Hulk Hogan, have this, you know, a, you know, evil dude throw a snake on their favorite wrestler and letting him just latch onto his bicep and literally just like bite him till he bled. Wow. Yeah. So oh my gosh. Uh, through that, through that lifestyle, like I said, cause it's a hard look into wrestling in the eighties. He was the proprietor of living a really bad life, getting into wrestling, becoming a wrestler, and then having that bad life finally catch up to them at the height of their career. Mm-hmm. And he's still like, he's still successful. He's actually signed to a, to a company now as a manager signed to AEW. So he's seeing a ton of success again. People want to, you know, love him again. Oh, like yeah. they did when they were kids. So, but he was huge into drugs and alcohol and pills and, you know, and it led him down. He pretty much should have died like nine or 10 times. See, and that was just the whole WWE culture though. Yeah. Like that was the thing. That's how they got by. They lived a a shitty hard life to do that job. Oh, dude, that job, the wrestling job still to this day. Although now I will say, because I know the industry and stuff. Yeah. um, probably hear my dog probably clawing at my door and the squeak toy in the back but (laughs) but um um like it that the life's the travel part of the lifestyle is not gone the hardness of the schedule is not gone but the coke and the alcohol for the most part and the you know the pills and everything else is pretty much gone now okay you know you have your few bad eggs um steroids wise and 
but really wrestling is now is now more like theater geeks who worked out through high school you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean the culture's changed yeah it's not these big it's not all big like giant beefcake men anymore that you know once they're done they do like four rails on you know four rails and a whole bottle of jack daniels anymore Mm. it's mostly just you know like i say theater geeks who worked out or guys with passion for that industry that got into it it's wrestling has done a really good job of cleaning itself up yeah and that's what the undertaker was saying that they now do like really strict drug tests now Mm -hmm. no steroids none of that stuff and people think like oh you know wrestling no steroids like come on like we're not dumb but uh, dude i've even shows these small like they they start drug testing at shows like the ones i'm at like it's just Mm -hmm. not something that's acceptable because more than ever now it's seen as a sport and it's people hearing me call wrestling like i call wrestling a sport it's not you know by definition you know maybe not by definition a sport but it's an athletic event is it not yeah it is it's like cheerleading almost you know what i mean i would clump it in with cheerleading (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, it's it's an to interesting an extent, way of though, putting to it an i extent. don't take it as an insult to an extent but i don't take that as an insult because they, they are the beauty of professional wrestling because they don't know what the fuck's like they know what's going on but they don't have a set routine they go with the flow yeah a lot of matches are called on the fly and a lot of the actual talent like a lot of the actual match you're seeing is just two guys calling it as they go along and they'll have maybe a pre-rehearsed finish and ending, but everything through the middle is just on the fly, which makes it really cool. And sometimes you can tell where stuff in the middle is stuff they've planned, but a lot of the stuff is, is called on the fly. But yeah, it's, comparing it to cheerleading isn't necessarily negative because it's athletic. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it is rehearsed to an extent. Um, I mean, cheerleading is all rehearsed, but mm-hmm. and not all wrestling necessarily is. Um, but yeah, no, it's an athletic event. It's rehearsed. It's in front of a live audience. It's having trouble being considered a sport, even though I kind of see it as a sport. But it's a, it's a decent comparison if you take away the violence. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing that I really don't really see well. that as a, as a negative yeah. comparison because I think. Well, um, do do you watch like WWE anymore, or do you just watch the Japanese no. wrestling? No, I feel like um, WWE kind of like sold I do out watch, its identity. You know what I mean? Well, without I think we talked about this a little bit on the last boring podcast I was on when we talked a lot of wrestling or pretty much exclusively wrestling. Was um, I don't watch WWE anymore? I yeah. follow it. Um, I know who's there, and I kind of know what's going on because I'm just a fan. You know what I mean? Like I'm just a fan of wrestling, but I don't tune in anymore like I did when I was a lot younger. I've found as I've become a lot more, if not a snob, but a little bit more of a hipster <laughs> with yeah. wrestling. Like I can say I watch the small indie, like I watch the guys that compete with WWE because they have to do so much more and so much better. Yeah. And it's so much like the type. I think the talent's better too. I think their rosters are better. And like okay. I say, now we're finally starting to see WWE start to fold. We're starting to finally see them. People kind of grow tired of their way of wrestling which is short matches, uh, single storylines, like, you know, one-on-one storylines and stuff. And 
not a ton of representation for women and wrestlers of color where these other indie promotions will, if you got the talent, you're going to be our guy. Well, and it's, it's almost like you a know? TV so, show with WWE. Yeah. Like there's at the end of the day too. It's like, yeah, you tuned into WWE cause you want to see the undertaker throw Kane or whoever it was mankind off hell in the cell. Yeah. Yeah. Like you want to see that stuff. That's yeah. Yeah. You got it. Right. And that's what I, well, that's what I got disinterested in WWE. The only reason chair shots changed, because I presume you're talking about the craziness of the attitude era in wrestling, mm-hmm. where it was boobs and chair shots and liquor and swearing and a lot of stuff that you can't get away with now on TV, mm-hmm. which is a lot that has to do with the evolution of people and TV and especially concussions, where that kind of chair shot and stuff has changed mostly because of concussion protocol. And if you're going to do a chair shot to the head, the the real rule is get your get your hands up. Where in the attitude area, it, it was oh you're gonna take a chair shot yeah your hands are gonna be down you're just gonna eat the damn thing. Yeah, and then you're gonna oh cut like, you want you want to do a chair spot like yeah you blade yeah you yeah. show color you blade but yeah. it's like oh you want to do a chair shot okay put your hands down let's see how hard I can swing this thing. Mm-hmm. And even like guys like The Rock, The Rock had one of like not the most infamous but he by mankind actually where they were in a extreme rules match, I think. So, and the rock took like six or seven unprotected chair shots to the head in a row, not throughout the duration of a match in a row. And this is like, Hey, this is fast and furious. Like this is the rock we're talking about. Well, he was part of that attitude era. So he was taking unprotected chair shots to the head. He was, he was doing all that stuff. Like it's just the era it was in, but everything changes. Um, and I just like the, the competition. I don't like the top dog. And I think that's kind of what makes me a hipster with wrestling. Mm. Definitely. Is I don't, I don't like the, you know, the, if we're comparing it to music, I don't like the top 100s. I like the stuff that you don't, I like the stuff you find in the fifties, you know, like the, yeah. the 50 spots and the hundred yeah. spot. Like, you know but what I mean? I love it when you see, cause like, I really like, I do like underground music. Like a lot of the music I got into nowadays. Like, and the reason why I still listen to it though is cause I got a lot of it. I got into before they blew up. So um, like TDE, I got into that stuff mm-hmm. when Kendrick Lamar dropped Section 80 right yeah. before he blew up. Um, J. Cole, I got into J. Cole when he released this sideline story. You know, Logic was under pressure. Like, I got into a lot of these artists before they blew up, right? So, I really like music that way, but I love it though when I see an artist where, um, like I fucked with them before they blew up, and then I see like all this success come their way. Cause I'm like, you know what? You deserve that. That's awesome for you. Right. Cause I saw you were yeah. four years ago. Right. Yeah. No, that's like, that's like the coolest fan moment ever. But what's rare is that you see that. And like the old school people stick around. Mm-hmm. At least that's well, what that, I notice is like, yeah. you'll have an artist that'll blow up and you'll see because of this own, this newfound success that you find there, you know, we want the old whoever back. Mm-hmm. we want the old kendrick we want the old cole we want the whatever we want whoever whatever we want yeah. the old back that's just and that's just nostalgic because and then in five years though they're gonna want the old back still five years which is where we're in right now yeah well nothing even if they drop right. a to me if they can drop an album like the old their 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 old selves and it still won't be their old selves because you didn't discover it 
halfway through. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know exactly it's really weird. Um, one artist I want to ask you about, I think we've talked to him before. Kid Cudi, did you listen to his new album? Um, uh oh, I might never be invited back, but I'm not a big Kid Cudi fan. What? We definitely did not talk about this then. No, we, we haven't. Oh, I think we talked about that. But let me actually. get this straight. Let me get this straight. Yeah. I don't like Kid Cudi. I don't like him a ton. Don't get me wrong. There's some songs that I have in my playlists that are, you know, one of my playlists that I have Kid Cudi on my playlists. Yeah. Especially like, especially like one of them. I can't remember which one, but um, I have a lot of him on one playlist. And yeah. I respect the hell out of Kid Cudi. Because he talks a lot, but a lot of stuff that's close to home for me. Yeah. Um, without getting into you know too crazy detail, but he talks about a lot of stuff that's you know pretty close to home, and he he's, does it in a really cool experimental way that's very unique to himself. And I respect the the hell out of Kid Cudi, but I don't really like him. I know what you mean. I, I respect what he talks about. I respect the ingenuity. I respect the you know the total groundbreakingness of his work it's it's just the music portion of it isn't for me that's but fair. ghost on the other hand ghost can ghosts can bang in the playlist whenever oh, whenever it's on dude that was such a good album i do have to I say know. i i'm i'm did you kanye released some good albums there like life of pablo i like that yep, album. good album yeah me too Great i album. like that album kids see ghosts fantastic album and <laughs> And that's uh, that's when I was like, maybe when I heard Kid Sea Ghost, I'm like, okay, maybe I have to reevaluate my Kid Cudi evaluation here. And I went through, I'm like, hmm, he does have some good albums, but wow, this speeding bullet to heaven. Wow, does that album suck? Oh, and then yeah, this new matter. album was just like, and I listened to this new album and I was really underwhelmed by a lot of it. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe he's not, you know, I think the best way to put Kid Cudi for me is he's like a five out of 10. That's fair. And I think what, what Kid Cudi does though, and I like I listen to him a lot, but like he doesn't make music to please other people. No, he, he doesn't. Does, make, like, that's why he did the Speedy Bullet to Heaven. He's like, I just wanted to make a fucking rock album. I was like, all right. Yeah, and you know you, what? Dude. That's yeah, no, absolutely. It is totally to me at the artist's discretion what they release and when they release it. You can beg on Twitter, you can beg on Instagram for, you know, when's the new album? When's the new just, just stop. Like that pisses me off. One that pisses me off. But like, hey, you want to drop a rock album, Kid Cudi, you go ahead and drop a rock album. But, you know, also don't get upset at your fans when they go, hey, this rock album you wanted to drop, like, it's it's not it good. Like, yeah, it's it not sucks. good at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, there's, there's that bit, little part of it. But when I say, like, I should probably reiterate when I say Kid Cudi's a 5 out of 10. Because those five points in Kid Cudi's five points out of 10 are so goddamn strong yeah. that it is like these some of the strongest five points I could give an artist. But the other five that make up the 10, they're just, you know, just misses. I, I think one thing as well, too, and you hear it a lot in today's like new up and commerce, especially with like Travis Scott, like he's all Kid Cudi. And oh, he idolizes that, the guy. Yeah. He idolizes the guy. Like Kid Cudi is such like, he's never had that like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy album he never had his good kid mad city but he just there's so many people that he has influenced and his mark on hip-hop is just odd compared to say other artists like jay-z who released album after album after album of just success you know mm -hmm. 
So you don't think Man on the Moon, both the first or the second? Or the third? I think they're um, fantastic albums, but they don't have the critical reception you... as, say, like a Kanye, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like they're not, they're not um, hmm. prioritized in hip-hop Because I always much. thought um, Man on the Moon, The End of the Day, and Man on the Moon Volume 2 were kind of like these crazy respected albums, though. I thought like, they those were like his magnum opus. But they weren't critically no? acclaimed, though. I don't know. I don't know a ton, which is, you know, that's fair. fair. And uh, that's at least from my perspective. I'm from what I believe. I don't think they were very critically mm-hmm. acclaimed. They're like a very, it's like the pinnacle of underground. That's the way I yeah. would describe it. If you know what I mean. Like I'm looking through his, his albums right now. Like man on the moon three was pretty underwhelming to me. I thought it had a lot of highlights, a lot of lowlights. Kids see ghosts is unbelievable. Fantastic. Passion, pain and demon slaying is like, okay. It's like the epitome of five out of ten. Speed and bullet to heaven is awful. Yeah. Satellite flight isn't that great to me. Yeah, that was just that Indica. was just like a like a movie album. Yeah, you and know, then Indica. Indica was like, eh, okay. I did like Indica. And and then Man on the Moon two and one are works of art that speak for themselves entirely. Mm. They're great. So yeah. it's like he's very all over the place. But when he when Kid Cudi is on, he is. He is on. Yeah, when he does have And I will voice. give him Yeah, I'll give him full credit. Like I'm just not I, I'm just not the craziest fan of him, but like he's got some albums in his discography that are unbelievable. What were your top five albums of twenty twenty? If rap or music? Hmm. Because rap's a lot easier. Okay, Jesus. Okay, can you, I can look do rap. This up? you can do rap then. You can do rap then. Whatever's easier. Okay, because like I could do music, but I'd have to like look at the best albums of the year so i know i'm not forgetting anything okay. you know what i mean because like yeah. throughout a them. whole year yeah throughout like the whole year you can forget about a really great album that you forgot about yeah you haven't listened to like, in four months yeah that you haven't listened to in four months and it's kind of fallen to the back of your playlist and like the back of your mind where it's yeah. like and even with hip-hop i'm gonna do my top five and i'm gonna like look at it later and go oh man being recorded and put on YouTube, I totally forgot about an album that I love. So yeah. <laughs> rap's a little easier, but I am gonna like go for it, man. Look it up because I really don't want to forget anything that um that shouldn't be forgot about or at least um, at least be mentioned. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But I pretty I have a few off the top of my head that are that are coming. See, and that's my thing, Matt. I'm completely blanking on what like 2020 was because the year was just so odd and so out there where it just, it's hard to disassociate what was like 2020 and like 2019 at this point now, or even like it's everything's blending together. Yeah. It's all just mushed together. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna, as I look here, like, Honestly, I think it would be easier for me to like mention albums that were really good to me because I hate to. I'm gonna be honest with you. I hate lists. <laughs> yeah, that's. I know. I'm gonna look to. I know you hate them too. I hate lists, dude, because I'm always gonna argue with myself later. So how about we? I'll mention a rap album. You'll say listen to it or not, and I'll give my opinion. Okay. Or yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do that because I think that's um, easier. So. For me, at least, because you, you love making me um, do lists when you know I, I hate lists. 
That's um, let's I can't see. think of anything that was released in like 20. Okay, so we got Eternal Take by Lil Uzi Vert. Did you listen? Yeah, I listened to half of it. Um, and see, and that's and that's my thing. Like that type of rap, I'm not the biggest fan of. I uh, see. My thing is like I love Lil Uzi. <laughs> okay. I, I have such a soft spot for Lil Uzi. I love him to death. I love that's that little guy. I, I do like <laughs> some of his songs. It's just something I've never really gotten into because I'm too stubborn Which to is like, really switch up my music taste. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm like a bit of a musical chameleon in that sense, where it's like yeah. If I want to listen to jazz one day, I'll listen to jazz. If I want to listen to Lil Uzi Vert, I'll listen to Lil Uzi Vert. Like, it doesn't matter. But uh, actually, Eternal Take. um, One time I got really fucking high. Like, absolutely just stoned to the bone. And I went to the gym. And I listened to Beethoven's Eighth Symphony for like two hours straight while really high at the gym. (laughs) You probably did some of your best lifting, though. Dude, I was one of the best workouts I've had. It was awesome. I love it. I'm telling you, there's something about classical music that just brings out the best in people. And for me, it's jazz music, because I kind of consider that, in a sense, classical Mm. music, because it's all instrumental. Oh, he said jazz. I listen to is all instrumental. I do some, like, very, like, like, hip-hop instrumentals, like, piano hip-hop instrumentals. You know what I mean? Yeah, just something to keep your mind occupied. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Eternal Take by Lil Uzi Vert. So we got that. Then let's do it. I loved it. Okay, what about My Turn by Lil Baby? No, man. Never. Actually, no, I didn't listen to that one. Um, I don't really like Lil Baby. Um, just, uh, you know, he's, he's talented, but he just doesn't click for me. Dude, um, I'm probably going to listen to like maybe like three of these albums you're going to mention. Oh, you're going to know which ones I want you to listen to. Trust okay. me, you'll hear, it, you'll hear me like explode about them. Um, my Turn was good. Actually, my first time listening to it in full, I was at uh, Nowhere Fast Studio, and it was on in the background. And I listened to it there. Who is this? <laughs> um, just a clothing studio that I've been going to for the past couple couple years that I'm, I'm really good friends with the owner. So he had it on in the background as we were just talking about everything and anything. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It's got some bangers like uh, We Paid. Yeah. And uh, Grace. Grace is a banger. It's got some pretty good bangers on there. Okay. But uh, nothing to really write home about. So uh, that's just my opinion. But Lil Baby's talented. Uh, Juicy J dropped an album. Oh, you know what? The Hustle listen- Continues. That was a good album. That was a really good album. Yeah, I actually. listened to one or two of those songs. And I liked it, was, it. It was a little all over the place. He tried, you know what, Juicy J, this was just him kind of making a statement of, uh, I'm, I may be a, an OG, but I can still kind of hang with the young dogs a little bit. Yeah. Like he has like NLE Chop on that album. So. And he's got Logic on there. He's got uh, some of my boys on there. He's got uh, Conway, Conway the Machine on there. So he released um, that like what, like a month ago now at this point. Yeah, it was in 2020 though. Yeah, but uh, it's a pretty good album. I was actually impressed by it. Okay, I don't know who that is. Uh, Burden of Proof by Benny the Butcher. Um, Benny the Butcher, maybe outside of Rick Ross, is the greatest feature rapper alive, oh, and part of the greatest, God. and part of the greatest rap group alive right now. What rap Griselda. Uh, okay. Um, really good album, but um, Benny the Butcher's solo stuff is not as good as his features on his uh, counterparts in Griselda. Man, it's like Two Chains as well, too. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Two Chains has actually had the only like same with Rick Ross. Um, they both had some successful uh, solo work, but 
their best verses are saved for features, which is totally, totally, it, it's probably unintentional, but it's just the way it kind of works out. Yeah. It's their rapping like you, style. It's very like a You cannot tell me, uh, you cannot tell me, uh, what, what song is that by Kanye? Devil in a, what's it called? Oh my God. Red dress. No. Oh, what's it yeah. Called? It's devil in a red it's, dress. I, is it? I think are we so. sure? I'm double check. Uh, yeah, I'm doing that because I don't think I. Devil in a new dress. Oh my god, dude! Ugh. I'm gonna get chastised by my friends for that. But it totally <laughs> left my. I totally slipped my head. But you can't tell me that song is not made a hundred times better by that Rick Ross verse. Oh, dude! That I remember. I would just listen to that whole song just to listen to Rick Ross's verse. Oh, Rick Ross has some of the greatest feature verses of all time. But I'm actually turning into a huge Rick Ross solo music fan because I just mm-hmm. like how all of his music sounds like it needs to be listened to either from a helicopter or a yacht. Yeah. It's like a Biggie Smalls vibe almost <laughs> in a sense, but he doesn't have as much grind. You know, yeah. he doesn't have that dirty sound as much. He's, yeah. he's got the Biggie sound, but the Biggie sound where he's like in the most expensive place, eating and drinking the most expensive stuff. Yeah. with some, Which like, is what I like about Rick Ross. He's a ball. Yeah. Like that's what I like about Rick Ross is every song that he has, has the production and the feel that it was like recorded on a yacht made of solid gold sipping yeah. like ace of spades champagne <laughs> well, his, <laughs> which, which is his first breakout song was every day i'm hustling yeah but that was like that song that just big, set the tone uh, yeah but uh the, his best song is santorini greece to me or maybe mm-hmm. family ties family ties is a really good song um do you listen to vince staples Love Vince Staples. Oh, dude, he's I'm because what was it? The Love Vince Staples. One? Yeah, that yeah, was, the last was a great album. album. Released, right? It was a very yeah. creative album. I love it. It was very good. And you yeah. know what? Even though he took some uh took some some shit for releasing Big Fish, I thought Big Fish was a great album when I heard it. Why did he get shit for it, releasing Big Fish? Uh people thought it was too experimental. They thought he 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 tried and failed it. Uh, a totally different style of uh, of rap, like really pushing the envelope on it. But I heard yeah. it and I was like, "Hey, he tried something new, and he like he he got a bullseye, like completely." Yeah, I so, think it just fit his whole vibe. You know, he was he yeah, was, it was like, just summertime. Oh six was kind of experimental. Blue suede yeah, was a like, little bit like. But can I give you one of my hot music opinions that people yell at me for? Do it, Senorita. Oh no, not Senior. What's his big song? His big 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 big. Song. Uh, it's because it sounds like senior. Yeah. Oh, what's North it called? North. Yeah, North North is not his best song. Oh, I could agree with that. Yeah, North North is nowhere. But... Definitely the catchiest, but it's not the best song. What do you think his best? His song best is? song is Senior. Oh, that song slaps, <laughs> dude. If you hear Senior, I, I heard Senior <laughs> for the first time, and, and I was like, dude, this is better than North North. Oh, dude, I first time... I, I think. I know almost the entirety of that song off by heart, yeah. but I, I was, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to embarrass myself, but that song is so good. And it's got a uh, surprise. Like, I think it's a future feature. Is he, a, is that not future, future? It's a future song. It's a future song. Yeah. Is it? Yep. There's a remix. Is it a future song? Well, it was a, uh, yeah. Like the beat is from future future had used it before. Really? Yeah. I don't know that. Look yeah. at that. First performed during Vince's performance at Fader Fort. Senior gets the honor as the first single from Vince's debut studio album, Summertime of Six, a blend of stances. And these, yeah, Future's Hook, and the track also features a credit. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a surprise though. Future feature. 
Yeah. I Are you kidding of, me? Like, I was kind of sad when, um, whatchamacallit, that like, he, he kind of like retired in a way. Like, he kind of hinted that he was done. And, you know, what was that? Vince? It was after he released the radio one. That's why he's been so quiet lately. Apparently well, I saw him say that uh, he's. I already just said he was just in his house. Like he's just not. He's not retired. He's just in his house. Oh, maybe. Just chilling. No, this is like this is like a year or two ago now. This is like right after he released the radio one. Yeah, I think that's changed. Yeah, because since then he's been hanging out with Kenny Beats. Okay. Yeah. He's been hanging out with Kenny Beats now yeah, and I, stuff all the time, and he's yeah. he's still chilling with like Earl and them. So he's definitely not retired. Okay, it would have been a bigger deal than that. Because he's probably just say, taking some time off. Because Matt, I'll admit, I haven't really thought of him for like a year now. Like, I used to listen to him all the time, but he was just one of those guys where it just didn't go back to him. Even though I love him, I love his music. Yeah. I played it a lot. It was just one of those ones I just forgot about. But I'm happy you talked about that though, because I love that guy, man. But no, Vince is fantastic. I love Vince. Do you listen to a guy called Saba? I think I S- saw him live. S A B A. What's his big song? Huge hmm. song. Like, what's the song that you'd play me and I'd know? Because I think I might have saw him live in Quebec. Um, let me pull. Don't get yourself a copyright strike. Don't worry, no, nobody coming for me. <laughs> Oh, YouTube is, is a strange and an anomaly. Don't come after see, anyone. You could see are gonna be like the first ones that are gonna be up on YouTube. Because I'm officially just recording Let's this with the video, which is nice. But uh, maybe like this is his album cover. Hold on, I think I got him confused with someone. Hold on, let me just give this a Google. Yeah, rapper. Here we go. Oh, okay. So this is not who I was thinking it was. Okay, yeah. No, because he's like a... No, I do not. a very big vibe. But I heard Care For Me was a very good album. And I think I meant to listen to it when it came out. But I haven't. But I will give that guy a listen then. Yeah, no, he's Who was I really thinking good. of? Who did... It's the guy who does Boca Raton. Oh, Boz. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. I saw Boz live in Quebec. You saw Boz live, bro? That'd be sick. Yeah, I saw Young Thug Live, Gucci Mane, uh, Suicide Boys, um, this is that Charlie the... Scambino. Oh, Charlie Scambino would be good. He was good. G- Tame Impala. Okay. Some really G- boy Pablo. K Trinata I saw live. Ooh, Ooh I was geeking for K Trinata, bro. I was Damn. going do crazy. Listen, do you listen to a lot of like Dreamville's artists? I don't like Dreamville. Okay. Your TD? Or do you even like any of them? Mm-hmm. No, I love TD. School oh, I just don't like Absol. Not a crazy Absol fan. Same same kind of kick. Same kind of uh, it's the kick cutty thing for me. Okay, that's fair. Just just okay, never really fair. got into him. Did, have you listened? I've heard to, him. Uh, he's good on features, but yeah, he's a very wordy rapper. Yeah, and he's talented. I've I've seen some stuff like he had that crazy freestyle. He deserves all the respect, but it's just not an artist that I've heard and went. Hmm, I gotta listen to. Yeah, I hear that. It's like oh, I gotta listen. To more. I don't know. Talented that's guy fair. though. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you listen to Reason though? That new. Guy? Oh, it's a Schoolboy Q. <gasps> That's also what I saw. School by Dude, Q. The, what album like was he performing? All of it. Oh. Everything. Dude, I'm sorry. It was in Quebec. At, it was at this music festival. If if I could go to any concert, 
I think it might be a school. Granted, there are a few exceptions. I would need some time to think about this, but off the top of my head, is Schoolboy Q Oxymoron mm-hmm. concert might be one of the greatest concerts of all time. Because that album yeah, he played a lot just, of Oxymoron. Yeah, because like that album was just hype. Like that was. Such I remember a the first album. time. I listened to that album. It was because I was big into Tyler, the creator at that time. And I heard that Tyler had a feature on this guy's Schoolboy Q's album. I had a friend who was a big fan of Schoolboy Q who knew I was a big fan of Tyler, the creator at that point. He's like, hey, Schoolboy Q just dropped this new album with the Tyler feature. You should listen to it. And I forget the the song, the actual name of the song with Tyler on it. And I listened to it. And yeah, the Perch. Um, I listened to it and I'm like, ooh, Schoolboy Q guy's pretty cool. And I kind of just stuck with him ever since. Damn. I Schoolboy so, yeah. Q is actually like the OG guy who got me into rap. I remember I went on to Google and I said artists to get into like rap artists and like Schoolboy Q came up, like new good artists. And like, you know, his single There He Goes from Habits and Contradictions. Mm-hmm. When I first viewed like when I first looked him up, that song had 40,000 views on it. And then from there, I learned, <laughs> I got from Schoolboy Q to then I discovered TDE. And then that's how I like blew up with TDE. And that's how I got through all yeah. that. Right. So Schoolboy Q. That would have changed everything though. Yeah. And then like I was like, he released Habits and Contradictions. And I was like, because I was with him in setbacks. Like this is his old mixtape. And he released Habits and Contradictions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is something fucking else. Like this is sick. And then he released Oxymoron, and I was like, oh, damn. Yo, like, oh, Oxymoron. Oxymoron's going to be oh. looked back as, as a classic. It's good like he's great. Too. Yeah. Who else we got so. on this list keeping on topic? So Benny the Butcher's album, uh, good, but not great. It's got a great Freddie Gibbs feature, but uh, he's got a little bit of got a little, little bit ways to come. Um, the new Busta Rhymes album is not that good. I like the Kendrick Lamar song, though. Yes, actually, yeah, that's the that was one of the singles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that song is actually pretty good. I did hear that one. Uh, Welcome to O Block by King Vaughn. Are you a King Vaughn fan? You begin in no. Chicago. Uh, he just, well, he passed away this year. King Vaughn. Um, yeah, he's a big Chicago guy. He's part of that Chief Keith tree because uh, they're oh. in the same. They were, well, he's not associated. Chief Keith's not associated with them anymore. Not, not really. Um, but he's part Chief of the Keith same gang now, with Chief Keith for them. Lives in LA, still pump. You know what? This, this, these last couple of songs that Chief Keith has made have been some of his best songs in years. So, really? um, he actually, once his music, he, um, Chief Keith is very self aware. Um, I say this because I'm one of the, I, my phone's Chief Keith, um, like the artist section has, I think, 18 albums that I have with various songs off of his music that includes yeah. mixtapes and EPs. And I mean, just a huge Chief Keith fan. He's pretty self aware. He was pretty, he knew that his, his hype was kind of dying and he was kind of falling towards the back of his limelight. Uh, probably whenever now. Well, he went to bed. Uh, sorry. He, he went to bed last night, this night. So, yeah, um, he kind of knew he was falling to the back of the back of the bus there in terms of music. So what he did was he actually got into producing he his producer name is not Chief Keith. Um, his producer name is Turbo. Okay. Um, but not um, not the Turbo that works with Gunna. He's got a different tag than that Turbo. But he became Turbo the producer, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people. And he actually does a lot of album art. 
Really? For rappers, he just there's ton of out. Al- he got into album art and producing. He does put he all his money does, and time into that. He, so if he failed as a rapper, he he'd still make money. So he's pretty smart. But now he's getting back into music. He a lot of his production is done by Mike Will. So it's it's pretty high production level. Um, does he have an Instagram for re- his like production or? No, it's just all through all through his chief Keith Instagram. Oh damn! I'm like that would have been sick to follow. But a good producer. He's yeah, no, he's a really good producer. He he did he actually got into that because he didn't want to stop making money in the rap game after you know if his rap career faded. He he knew that his rap career might fade away, but he knew he'd stay as like the OG of an entire genre. Which yeah. we've talked about that. My my love for Chief Keef and how I think Chief Keef is like the creator of all of this or a good chunk of it. Yeah, or at least him was, and like, Young Chalk. Sosa was like the baby child, was the brainchild of all for, this. For drill and trap music, yes. Yeah. Well, We've talked he about this when he was like, what, 16, 17? Was he not? Yeah, Love Sosa, I believe, when he was 16 years old. Oh, that's ridiculous, man. He, so he's people only think 23 that Chief, or 24. He's 24. Oh, so people, man. like, to think that Lil Uzi Vert is older than Chief Keith. Wow. And like, and that's so weird to think of because everybody's like, Chief Keith fell off. But yeah, but, but it's like Chief also started rapping when he was 14. Yeah. His it's first like mixtape literally... released when he was 14. So, of course, he fell off a bit because when you blow up at that age, you're bound to fall off. But now it seems like because his recent music has been so damn good with Mike Will on production and it's his music kind of sounds, he sounds like he's got that, not the old Chief Keef mentality, but the old Chief Keef aggression. Yeah. What's you know the, what I mean? Like, what's his, right? Uh, what album should I listen to? Because I might get back into Chief Keef because he's fucking. Um, man, you're asking a guy who's got almost every Chief Keef album, but I can, you know what? I'll give you some songs later. How about that? Yeah, for sure. Because I have, like, for Chief Keef, I have four different Chief Keef, like, artists. I got Chief Keef and Zaytoven, Chief Keef and Mike Will, Chief Keef and Gucci Mane, and Chief Keef. So, I mean, and the Chief Keef. The category on my music has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three albums on it. So I'm gonna give you songs. Dope, so I'm gonna give you some songs. Dope, do that. Up. Yeah. So continue like on with our Lamar, artist discussion. Lamar, so King like Von was. Albums. Yeah, and that's like that's kind of like I don't know. I think Kendrick is. We've talked about Kendrick. We know my feelings on him. But yeah, he was actually died on November 6th, King Vaughn. He was kind of on the come up. He was very popular, but he passed away in the shooting. So he kind of had that surge of popularity right after, but he was garnering a lot of attention for kind of being the next, like, you know, he was 20 some. So he was like young, early 20. So he was like kind of getting this, holy crap, like this is what Chief Keefe used to sound like. Yeah. Because, you know, Chief Keefe had all these outlandish lyrics about, you know, shootings and stuff, right? So King Von was doing that all over again, but with a, you know, a a bit more of a modern sound to it. So everyone was really on King Von. It's a good album, but I I don't think it's the one you want to listen to. Spillage Village, that album was pretty good. I listened to that in my car one day. Why is that? I listened to that album, but I can't put a... Is you you know more about this than I would because a lot of those guys are from the Dreamville tree. Is Jid part of Spillage Village? Yeah. So is he or is he a part timer? Because I don't think he's a full time member. Because 
Okay. It's oh, we know, we know. He is a full time member. Earth Gang's great. Yeah, Earth Gang's fantastic. I love it. Okay, who else is in Spillage Village? JD Earth. Okay, Gang. it says Jid Earth Gang, Hollywood JB, Jordan Bryant, Mariba Black, and that's it. Like black, like with the six. Six six lakh. Excuse me. Oh. Six lakh. See, okay, because I have an album from them, and this was like an old one from like six years ago. Yeah, I presume like it's Bears like this too much. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is uh this is a little win, more that um flat, that song. Yeah, this one is uh their new one Spillage. So oh, it's okay, pretty good. Dude, I didn't even know they released oh dude, this is awesome. It didn't necessarily blow me away, but it's definitely a, one of the better albums of the year. But this is now we're getting into the stuff you gotta listen to. <laughs> See, and I really like, From, like I love Earth Gang, man. Earth Gang's great. Earth Gang's really fun. Like I remember the first time I heard like Wells Fargo. <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that. I remember I heard that for the first time and I was like, I heard the intro and I was like laughing and then like this, the beat dropped or whatever. I was like, holy crap, man. This, yeah, you can just go tell crazy. Like everybody in the room was just hype when that show went down. Oh yeah, no, they're fun. They're fun. I like those. Yeah. I like those two. They're cool guys. But now this is one you have to listen to. Okay. So this is, okay. So this, this is another guy from Griselda. But even though Griselda is a five person unit. Yeah. Because I think soon to be six. Um. This is so quick, tiny, small history piece. I promise. Griselda is five people West Side Gun, Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher, Armani Caesar, and Boldy James. But I think they're going to sign a guy called Stove God Cook soon. Okay. I think that's what I predict. Yeah. But um, so West Side Gun and Conway the Machine are half brothers, Benny the Butcher is their cousin. Armani Caesar is totally unrelated, but she's a she's their female act. And Boldy James is good friends with West Side Gun through features, and he's from Detroit, and he got signed. But Armani Caesar, Conway the Machine, West Side Gun, and Benny the Butcher are all from Buffalo, New York. Okay. So they have that very gritty '90s sound, and they're bringing that back. And I got into them because um, West Side Gun's Supreme Blind Tell album got really positive reviews. And it was, and he's, they're huge wrestling nerds like me. Okay. Yeah. So they use a lot of like sampling from wrestling and a lot of bars about where they have wrestling references, but that's not just it. They actually all have had stints in jail for uh, cocaine distribution and possession. Ooh, okay. Okay. So they're very like gritty, gritty guys with crazy. And um, right now, to me, the best rapper alive is a tie between Freddie Gibbs and Conway the Machine. Ooh. Hi. It's a, it's a tie for me. Really? Yeah, and it's between Conway. And Conway's album this year, From, a, from King to a God, is a must listen to. Con, con, okay, what's his name again? Con, Conway con, the Machine. Conway. Yeah, Conway the Machine, From King to a God. Great, like the the guy has, like, bars, like okay. unbelievable bars. Okay, weird. And no, his, uh, his another album he dropped this year was good too. It was produced by my favorite producer of all time. It was called um, Lulu. That album is unreal too. Oh, oh wow! He releases a lot. Um, yeah, all of them do. That's kind of they have that saturation kind of thought where. The more work we put out in a year, the more people are going to f- pay attention to us. And it's worked. That's fair. 
and that's one thing i like when especially on like the come up like when you do get all that music and then i think what's the nice thing is is then once you see them kind of reach that pinnacle of being they understand the artwork they understand the music then they slow it down and they release it like once every few years like what like kendrick Lamar oh and, like, see J. cole and doing it right now right and see these guys have been around since 2014 15 but they're just gaining traction but west side gun like he's like the big most popular member although he's not the most talented yeah for whatever reason he just gains the most attention which is fine because his music is really really good too yeah once you get past that he's got a very unique voice and a unique kind of delivery and unique ad-libs like once you get past all that his he's he's got fantastic music but he'll release i think last year or 2019 he released like six albums in a year oh wow i like i like his like complete albums machine Mm -hmm. no yeah so definitely listen from king to a god um only for dolphins that's a good album. I don't think it's Action Bronson's best work. Mm, I didn't um, like it either. I hey, um, my friends give me flack for it all the time because they think he sucks. But I love Action Bronson to oh, death. But I didn't, I didn't think it was his best work. But I thought it was a pretty good little album. You know what? The more I listen to it as it comes up in my place, the more I'm like, it's pretty good. Okay. This is fun. Yeah, it grows. Um, King's Disease by Nas. Um, I'm not going to get into it. Those makes me sad now. Yeah, it didn't do it for me. Limbo by Amine was one of the biggest surprises of the year for me. Really? Uh, well, Amine was bridging on that. Uh-oh, I'm not going to say who, but uh, that corny level of rap for me. Logic. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> what did you think of his maybe, last maybe. album? That was terrible. You didn't like it? I don't like any Logic album. That's fair. And I know you love Logic, so I try to be yeah. respectful. But... No, no, that's fair. I, I understand why people don't like him. Yeah, and that's fair. But I'm just, you know what? He's just not my guy. And he's, but he's not as bad as Russ. I'll give him credit. He does have, he does have a lot more ability. He's got a ton of ability. Just yeah. he, he's a fantastic. He, he's a fantastic writer when it comes to hip hop. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he reuses lines, though. Never noticed. Haven't listened to it. I've, I've, you know, I've heard a few bad albums in a row now, and I'm checked That's out the fair. But That's fair. I respect I respect those who like them because you know what, I can see how that kind of stuff appeals to people. But you have a lot of other music tastes that uh, that saves you. But Limbo, um, <laughs> but Limbo, um, he was bridging on like I mean, he was bridging on corny rap with his couple albums or one album that was okay, and then yeah. one that wasn't really good at all, except for like one song. But Limbo. He comes through with a very kind of surprising new kind of sound. And it was really, really good, actually. It was one of the better um, – actually, to me, one of the better rap albums of the year. Not going to crack my top 10 or 5, I don't think. Maybe my like bottom of my top 10, like 10 or 9. But um, yeah. very good. I was very impressed. Huh. Um, the Outrunners by Currency and Harry Fraud. That's, a, that's one you Ooh. should consider listening to. I already listened to it, man. Yo, Currency. Oh, you did? Currency's Currency a, he's is a my spitter. boy. I spitter. love him. He's he's one of those guys you can just kind of put, because he releases so much stuff where it's kind of hard yeah. to keep up with him. But like, oh, he's, he's friends vibe. with, um, he's really good friends with the Griselda crew. Oh, really? Because Currency's, um, that whole tree of Griselda friends and uh, collaborators is very, very tight knit. Okay. Um, well, because currency's like underground, but he's like the king of underground almost. 
Yeah, he's got one of the most loyal fan bases in rap. Oh, it's fabulous, man. I love his music. Yeah, Currencies, that was great. And you know what? Harry Fraud's a fantastic producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he did. Don't get me twisted. La Musica de Harry Fraud, baby. He did. The Marina, I think. I'm not sure, but I know um, Harry Fraud. Did, did you listen to uh, Burner and Currencies, Fino Grigio? Yes. Fantastic. Currency is so underrated. It's criminal. Okay. Yeah. Go check out this one. It was released in 2018. This is like one of my favorite uh, currency albums, but it was mm-hmm. Currency and Harry Fraud, The Marina. Oh, I've listened to it. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. fantastic. So I good. love Currency. So good. Um, Miles Blue in Exile is a fantastic album. Okay. Games, man. I think we're going to wrap this up. I got the jazz game coming up here. Fourth quarter starting. Okay. I have two more that I'd like to yeah. mention real quick. Two more albums. And what is, well, I'll give you three, but quickly. Nope. Yeah, no um, Okay. Alfredo by Freddie Gibbs and The Alchemist. This uh, album cemented my love for The Alchemist as being the greatest hip hop producer probably of all time outside of maybe one Who the other one? and Freddie Gibbs is now in he has to be in your top five conversation if you're yeah. talking about rap music he's an OG man uh, West Side Guns Pray for Paris uh, fantastic album probably his best album to date outside of Supreme Blind Tell okay. and then finally The Price of Tea of The Price of Tea in China by Boldy James and The Alchemist yet again so you're probably starting to see a trend of my snobbiness yeah do you have you listened to um, Currency Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist Fetty? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, good one. <laughs> good yeah, one. They, yeah. it's, the Alchemist is my favorite rap producer of all time, and to me, probably the best. Maybe, excuse me, outside of Madlib. Mm-hmm. But depends. I I prefer the Alchemist, and I do think he's probably the greatest rap producer of all time. Hey man, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> I, anyways, Farva. Yeah, thanks the, the, for coming the, on, man. Oh, it's always my pleasure. I'm glad I could bore everyone again. Nah, man, I love this car. I would keep on going if it wasn't 10:30 at night and the Jazz weren't going in the fourth quarter. Go watch you, Jazz. Tell Donovan Mitchell I texted him and said, him, "Told him good luck." <laughs> um, he yeah, hits me up all the time, bro. Oh yeah, get him on the podcast with me, mm-hmm. yo. <laughs> yeah, I'll send him a nice note. I'll send you some songs. I'll send you some albums. Yeah, and I'll send, send you those, some uh, people as well too. Those wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Dope, bro. Of course. Dope, man. Of course, I will. I I appreciate it. Homie. All right, brother. Pleasure as always, man. man. I'll I'll come back on whenever you're struggling for viewers. Don't worry, yeah, I'll be buddy. that guy. Yeah, I'll be I'll that guy. It. I'll be love. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll be the relief right. pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> hey, those are the most important people. Hey, man. Everyone needs a closer. Yeah, literally. I right, uh, take care, man. Stay safe. Peace, brother. As always. Adios.